Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. And as you can see behind me, we are in a series at the moment called Unlimited. And I love the fact that we're starting 2020 with a reminder that God is not limited in any way, shape or form, just the complete opposite to us. I know that as Vicky was saying before, that I am so full of flaws. I know that I'm limited in so many ways. And yet this unlimited God calls us to live a limitless life. And so, as we tap into this unlimited God, He more than makes up for the flaws and the failures that I have. But He actually helps me to live limitlessly in Him. You see, not all limits are bad. They're there for our protection. And as we've spoken about before, with speed limits and there's credit limits and things like that that are actually there for our protection. But to be honest with you, they're also the protection there for the protection of others. You see, I know for me, I'm more introverted than some. And so I know that when I am getting to my limit of being around people, (laughs) all of a sudden the introverts got a little bit extroverted. Did you hear that? They actually responded and went, oh yeah. I know that when I get to some of my limits in terms of being around people, I know that my sarcasm goes from being funny to being cutting. And I know that when I'm getting to that limit of being tired, it is far better that I get away rather than have to undo some of the damage that will happen if I stay. And so the limit that's there is not only for my protection, but it's for the protection of others. But can I be honest with you? Being a little bit more introverted, sometimes I can use that as an excuse to not be around people at all. And so all of a sudden, me going, hey, I need to monitor this, I need to have a limit in place, actually limits me because I don't get towards where I should be, and that is spending more time with some people. I can actually bring that boundary in and in and in. And instead of living a limitless life, I'm actually limiting myself. And so sometimes the limits that we put in place actually limit us. We can't comprehend the infinite. I'm a very finite person. My thinking is finite. So when we talk about having an unlimited God, it messes with my head. And often, if you're like me, to try and get my head around this unlimited God, I try and project onto God with a margin. What do I mean by that? You know, we say that God is a good father. When we talk about unlimited, it's hard to know. And so I take my definition of a good father 
and say, maybe God's twice as good as my definition of a good father. Or maybe God's 10 times as good. Or maybe God is a million times as good. But even when I do that, I create an artificial limit on God. You see, God's not a million times better than my best idea. God is infinitely better than my best idea. And all of a sudden, I'm back in that same spot where I find it hard to comprehend what infinite actually even looks like. And so we need to be careful that we don't project up onto God an artificial limit when he stands outside of the limitations that we all face. You know what? In Mark chapter 6 in the Bible, it says that Jesus went back to his hometown, to Nazareth. But he wasn't able to perform any miracles there because of the people's lack of faith. Now, can I just point out something that's really obvious here? The people, the people's lack of faith didn't actually stop Jesus' ability to perform miracles. They didn't rob him of his power. What they did was they put Jesus in a spot where it says, hey, look, we don't want what you've got. And Jesus said, well, because you don't want what I've got, I can't give you what I have. And so the people of Nazareth's limited thinking actually limited God ability to work right in their midst and you know what I think we're a bit the same I think that our limited thinking can sometimes limit what God wants to do because we actually don't want what God has for us and so this series is all about going hey let's take the box off of God Not that he's in a box, but our thinking might put him there. And let's make sure that our limitations, our limited thinking, don't limit what God wants to do in our lives. You see, the impossible doesn't deny the existence of God. It simply highlights the limitations of humanity. The core scripture that we've been using throughout this series, 2 Corinthians 6 verses 11 and 12 in the message. Dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Live openly and expansively. This series is all about combating the smallness inside of us so that we can embrace this limitless God, so that we can live openly and expansively. So far, we've looked at having unlimited grace, unlimited wisdom, and unlimited power. And all of those messages are available through our app, and I suggest that you listen to them on a regular basis. This morning, I want to look at us having unlimited peace. Who wants to have a little bit more peace in their lives? You know what? We have access to an unlimited peace through God. 
The question starts off with how do we define what peace actually is? See, often we define peace more as an absence or more in its absence than in its presence. We often talk about peace being the absence of war or peace being the absence of conflict. Maybe peace is the absence of noise in your home. Maybe peace is the absence of stress. And so often we define peace more in the negative than in the positive. We often define peace circumstantially. You know what? I don't want to go and be with that person because the circumstance is going to not be peaceful. We talk about maybe I don't want to go to work because of the stress that's there and the loss of peace. Or maybe, as many of us have just had holidays, we define peace as a place. Oh, you know what? We live in Adelaide, but when we get to go to Queensland, oh, there's a peace. We often define peace in its absence or by its absence, but also by its circumstance. And I'm saying today, you know what? We need to change our definition of what peace actually looks like. Because if we define peace by a circumstance, when you're not in that circumstance, does that mean that you automatically have no peace? It's great that you might think, hey, look, I'm at peace when I go to Queensland, but you live in Adelaide. And you can go on holidays so many times a year, but does that then mean the rest of the time there's no peace? No, not at all. We need to redefine what our definition is. Now, firstly, let me just say that the Bible is actually clear. If you're talking about peace with, for being no war, peace for being no conflict, peace for being no stress, that's definitely coming. The Bible is clear. It says that we will have that in heaven. And in the meantime, we need to find a way that we can deal with or find peace here. You see, I think we need to redefine what peace looks like. And we need to be able to find peace in the storms of our life. And I want to propose that we actually need to have a peace which brings a settledness to us, a confidence in us, an assurance for us, regardless of what we face. And it's that settledness, it's that assurance, it's that confidence that God says, you can have an unlimited amount of that right now. Right now. So let's see how we can tap into that today. We're going to start off with just having a quick look at a story, which we find in Mark chapter 4. It's a storm that Jesus and the disciples had to go through. And it says, that day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern. For the younger people, that's the back. Jesus was in the back of the boat sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? 
He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Do you know what? Just for a moment, put yourself in the story. We often read the Bible knowing the end of the story. We know what happens. But put yourself in the story for a moment. This wasn't just a small storm. The Bible says it was a furious squall. It wasn't just a little bit of, you know, waves and stuff. It was hectic. It was furious. Can I remind you, some of the disciples were professional fishermen. They'd been out on this lake many times before. So when they're stressing out, you can be confident that it's not just a, a small little thing. This is a major event that is happening in the disciples' lives. They were freaking out, and yet Jesus was asleep in the back of the boat. Do you know what? The disciples actually came to a logical conclusion. But they didn't come to a godly conclusion. And sometimes we can come to logical conclusions, but they're not godly conclusions. Because we don't involve God in the decision-making process. They'd already made up their minds. The furious squall was happening. They were already there going, we are going to drown! But they hadn't actually asked Jesus yet. They'd already jumped to the conclusion. And they go up to Jesus saying, Jesus, don't you care? The obvious answer is yes. Of course he cares. But them jumping to a wrong conclusion led them to a wrong train of thought. And the person who cared the most on the boat was accused of being uncaring because of the thought process that was happened. The disciples confused the peace that Jesus had with lack of care. And we, I, can be guilty of the same thing. We project the angst that we feel onto God, saying, hey God, I'm going through this stuff, don't you care? And God's saying, of course I do. But let's, how about you involve me a little bit more? in the conversation that we're having. Jesus had a peace that brought a settledness, a confidence, an assurance in the boat. What gave him that settledness, that confidence and that assurance? What did the disciples miss? Jesus' words. Jesus said to his disciples, hey, let's go to the other side. Do you know what? Jesus often sets a destination in our life. He just doesn't tell us the journey. And often we need to hold on to the fact that God said, hey, here's the destination. Here is where we're going. How we get there is where you need the faith. And so we need to take Jesus at his word. We're going to the other side. And in going to the other side, it doesn't matter what happens on the journey, we are going to the other 
side together. The disciples heard what Jesus said, but were overwhelmed by what they saw. Sound familiar? Finding peace in your storm is actually of greater benefit than being delivered from the storm. Jesus has the power to calm the storm in your life. He has the power to take you out of that situation. And, when, and, and I'm very thankful that God has done that for me at times in my life. Where things seem hopeless, God has intervened and he has delivered me from storms. But when he does that, it doesn't change me a lot. It doesn't build my character a lot. And if I'm not careful, I can see him as the deliverer in every storm where sometimes he wants to not be my deliverer, but he wants to strengthen me in every storm. And so as I go through the storms of life, it's not what's happening around me, it's happening what in me that is important. And it's not that we should be delivered from every storm, but God, we want to be strengthened in every storm. And we want to learn the lessons that we need to learn so that we can apply it in future storms. We want to build our characters to the point where we can experience God's peace in every storm. You see, Jesus was able to bring peace to the storm because he was at peace. Jesus was able to bring peace because he had peace to give. And you can't give what you don't have. So how do we then go about getting this peace that's in our lives? Well, you know what? Peace is actually a fruit of the Holy Spirit. In Galatians 5, to 23, it says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Peace is actually a fruit. Peace is an overflow. Peace is something that happens when you spend time with the Holy Spirit. Why do we at the church say, hey, look, it's so important to have a quiet time with God. It's so important to make sure that you're spending time with God, that you're reading your word, that you're praying. Why is it so important? Because it fosters a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And as we have our, that relationship grown, then peace is a byproduct of that relationship. You see, peace is a fruit, but the way you get good fruit is that you look after the tree. We don't go and water the fruit. We don't go and fertilize the fruit. We fertilize the tree. We water the tree. We foster our relationship with God so that the, Spirit, so that the Holy Spirit in us brings the fruit. We are way too results driven. God, I want the peace. I want the kindness. I want the gentleness and give it to me now. Foster your relationship with the Holy Spirit. Water the tree. Fertilize the tree. The fruit will come. 
it's a pattern that we see throughout the life of Jesus. It says, early in the morning, he went out to pray. It's a pattern of Jesus' life that he would spend time with God the Father. He would spend time with the Holy Spirit. Jesus walked this earth, God-man. He was a spirit-filled man. If we are spirit-filled people, then we can experience this peace that God has for us. See, only God can give you this inner peace. So much of the world is trying to find it in other things. But only God is the answer. You cannot find this peace through possessions, through having a good house or multiple cars. or You can't find this inner peace that we're talking about through possessions. You can't find it through medication. You can't find it through alcohol. Ladies, you cannot find it in retail therapy. This inner peace only comes from God himself. It's only God that can bring this settledness, this assurance, this confidence that we so desperately need. So how? If we know the source, how do we actually get to this peace? In Philippians 4, verses 6 to 9, it says, do not be anxious about anything. Let me just stop there. I don't know how you read this scripture. But I can read just that one line and condemn myself. Do not be anxious about anything. But I am anxious. What am I meant to do? Don't read this scripture to beat yourself up. Read this scripture as, you know what, do not be anxious about anything. That's the goal. That's the goal. And so let's read the rest with the goal in mind. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learnt or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Four keys this morning on how to receive the peace of God. First of all, be prayerful. Always. Is life going well for you at the moment? Thank God. Be prayerful. Is life not so good for you at the moment? It's okay. Be prayerful. Is life somewhere in the middle? You know, it's neither good nor bad. It's just sort of happening around. Be prayerful. Are the kids driving you nuts at home? Be prayerful. School's coming. <laughs> Holidays are almost over. 
Whatever is happening in your life, be prayerful. Are you happy? Great, be prayerful. Are you frustrated? Sorry, but be prayerful. Are you angry? Be prayerful. Whatever is happening, however you're feeling, be prayerful. Involve God in your life always. And you'll help find this peace. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're thinking, be prayerful. You see, in its simplest form, prayer is just talking to God. And again, this is God. He knows everything anyway. He knows what you're feeling. So let's not try and hide it. That scripture, do not be anxious. Oh, but I'm not meant to be anxious. So I can't tell God I'm anxious because otherwise I'm I'm not doing what the Bible says. He knows. Whatever is happening in your life, involve God. He knows anyway. Don't try and mask knowledge. Or sorry, don't try and mask your feelings with knowledge. Hey, I know I shouldn't be angry. I know that the Bible says I shouldn't want to murder someone, but I want to murder someone. God knows. Share it with him. Bring him into the conversation. Be honest with God. You know, I've shared from this stage before that I tend to be an overthinker. I tend to get stuck in my head at different times. I tend to think about the problem that I might be facing and then think about the three possible solutions that might happen. But can I be honest with you? Sometimes it's not even that productive. Sometimes all that's happening in my thoughts is that something has happened to me and I'm just replaying and rehearsing and what could I have done differently or how should that have changed or... And when that happens, when I get stuck in that mode, 3 a.m. in the morning is horrible. Because 3 a.m. is the time where I wake up and I find my brain going and I... Bible says don't be anxious. What I found actually works the best for me is first of all, tell God, be honest. God, I'm feeling anxious. This has happened and my thoughts are running away from me and I need to stop it because I need a good night's sleep. God, help me. The next thing I do is just stop. What do you mean just stop? I literally sing myself back to sleep. Just in my head. How great is our God? Sing with me. How great is our God? And my wife, who's already asleep, has no idea that any of this is happening. Peace of God. And I can sing myself in my head back into the peace of God. I can sing myself back into sleep. Because he wants to be involved. He wants to be with us. Do you know what? As you're speaking to God, be specific. Do you know what? We're quite good at being specific when it comes to other people. God, that person's really ticking me off. Smite them, almighty smiter. We can be very specific when it comes to others. How about being specific when it comes to you? God, do you know what? I recognize I have an anger issue. God, 
I, I need you to help me address this anger issue. Help me see the change that's coming. Be specific with what you're asking from God. Be full of faith as you're asking. I think that sometimes our prayers are more about just, God, get me out of here. Just, just take this. But be full of faith that God wants to act on your behalf. Give it to him and leave it with him. Too often we give it to him, but we take it back. God, you haven't done anything with this yet, and so I just need to fix it. Give it to him, leave it with him, be full of faith. Be patient. Don't try and force a result. Be prayerful always. Second thing, be thankful. Verse 6 says, submit your prayers and requests with thanksgiving. Often when we're full of worry and fear, we fail to count our blessings. And when we fail to count our blessings, we're not actually thankful. We become familiar with what we have and we start taking things for granted. You see, this weekend, today, we celebrate Australia Day. Are you thankful for Australia? You see, I love Australia Day because it gives me an option of going, hey, look, you know what? God, thank you for Australia. Because I got born here. My parents were born here. I could have been born anywhere. I had no say in being in Australia. But God placed me here. That means he placed me in a spot where I have access to healthcare. I have access to education. Just simply because of the fact that God allowed me to be born here puts me in the top 5% wealthiest people in all the world. Be thankful for what God is doing in our lives. You know what? Be thankful in this moment. Why? Because this moment is all we've got. I think that for me, the biggest killer of thankfulness is not living in this moment. Too often I relive the past, as I was talking about before, or think about the future. And when I don't stop and wait in this moment, I miss being thankful. Let's make sure we make the most of the moments that we have. You see, thankfulness acknowledges my reliance on God. Thankfulness breaks entitlement in my life. Thankfulness recognizes that all the problems that I think are so big are just first world problems because I'm in Australia. Let's stay thankful and experience God's peace. The third key, be positive. Whatever is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. For me, often, I need to remind myself, be positive. For me, I can see the glasses half full rather than half empty. For me, I can see the dishes on the sink and forget the meal that I just had. 
I can see the clothes in the laundry, not realising I've still got a wardrobe full of clothes. I see the price of petrol without thinking I've got a car and the freedom that that brings. Be positive. Find the silver lining even in the darkest cloud. You know what? To be honest with you, this is one of the reasons why I love Greg Downton. Greg's sitting in this room. I love chatting with Greg because we give as good as we get. We just click. But Greg has MND, motor neurone disease. And Greg's long-term prognosis isn't good. But what I love is that he's always positive. He has his good days, he has his bad days, but you know what? He's still positive. What Greg has tapped into is this peace of God that, you know what? Regardless of what life brings, life is for the living. And even now, he's done more things since having MND than before. What do I mean? He's jumped out of an airplane. I love that Greg is actually a living example of staying positive in your storm, of finding peace in your storm. Greg, you are inspiring. You really are. I don't, I don't think you know. I don't think you know the impact that you have on all of us. His faith has gotten stronger through this. He's not trying to deny it. He's not in hyper faith. He just knows and he's getting on with life anyway, choosing to be positive. Greg, your faith is inspiring. It really is. Thank you so much for what you bring. We need to silence our negative thoughts just like Jesus silenced the storm. Let's always be positive. Finally, let's be obedient. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. You see, Christianity is to be lived out, not just studied. Following God's commandments is for our benefit. You know, if we stand against the things of God, expect not to have peace. If we're standing against the things of God, expect the Holy Spirit to be tapping you on the shoulder going, hey, there's a better way than this. Just come back this way. And as we repent, as we come back onto God's page, then the peace will come. I was chatting with someone just this week. They're walking through a storm, but they're walking well. And they've had the peace of God come on them as they've been walking through their storm. And what they were telling me is that as I've been obedient to what God has called me to, and he's called me to some big things, but as I've been obedient and I've put my faith out, God's faithfulness has come and brought a peace. And then from there they're going, oh, God's calling me again. So as he's obedient and steps out again in faith, God's faithfulness 
comes. As we walk in obedience, we will find the peace that God has for us. In conclusion, this morning, Jesus came to bring peace. Peace within ourselves. Peace with others. And peace between us and God. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 